Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. She's Stacy Mitchell. And we've got Nick Wolf behind the camera. And as always, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. We're streaming live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and live on Instagram, second week in a row. Very exciting. So if you want to follow us there, you can check that out. And if you got a question for the show, the email address is info at tooltimeradio.com. So interesting news coming out of Fannie Mae this week, and we've got a bunch of topics coming up today. We're also going to talk about a great local business uh, located out in Paoli and Phoenixville. The lead story, though, Fannie Mae, and ladies, I really want to get your feedback on this. Fannie Mae came out for the first time so far to forecast all the way out to 2023 and what it expects the economy to do. And when you go through these predictions, um, basically what they said was that Fannie Mae expects the economy to have entered the mature state of the business cycle with a risk of a recession moving in to focus. And then it goes on to project what's happening with mortgage rates, which they predict to be at three and a half percent by the end of 2023, 3.4% by the end of 2022. And they talk about Fed policy, what's going to happen with home sales, which they do predict are start going to start to go the other way in terms of volume of home sales, not the market going down, but the number of properties transacting into 2022 and 2023. So what do you ladies think about all this? Well, <laughs> it's um, some of this I think was clickbait um, because I think that we're headed into um, where there's going to be more listings coming on the market mm-hmm. um, just by some of the uh, stats that we've been looking at. So I think um, there's going to be more inventory and there's still such an abundance of millennial buyers that even if the interest rates do tick up as they're supposed to, they're still historically low. I mean, they're so incredibly low. It just makes sense for people to continue buying at this point. It's going to be cheaper ultimately than paying someone else's or paying rent, in essence, paying somebody else's mortgage. So I I think that uh, the housing market is going to continue to um, be very um, abundant (laughs) and be pretty, still pretty aggressive. That's my personal view. Yeah. I mean, I know we've, um, you know, been talking a lot about interest rates and, um, with these predictions that they've put out, even if they do fall on the high end, they are still, as you said, Stacey, they are still historically low rates. So, you know, certainly something to keep your eye on, you know, every tick that, that happens there is going to affect, um, a buyer's purchasing power, but even in worst case scenario, um, this isn't this isn't horrible for where they're predicting them to go up to. Exactly. So, so I actually disagree with with some of the stuff in the article here. Kind of like you hinted at, Stacey. I'm going to maybe be a little more like blunt. <laughs> um, you know, you, you said it very nicely. So, in, in at one point, and with the, with the predictions, they they said that Fannie Mae forecasters continue to see home sales being constrained by a shortage of listings strong home price gains, and modestly higher mortgage rates, which I agree with all three of those. Even with the predicted appreciation that's anticipated in 2022, we're looking at a 5 to 6% year-over-year annual growth. This year was in the 10 to 12 range, depending on where you are. Uh, now, 
here's where I, I, I start to disagree with what they're talking about. They said not only do listings remain scarce in many markets, but much of the strength in home purchases over this past year and a half stemmed from first-time buyers moving forward with their purchases due to COVID-related disruptions um, and to take advantage of historically low rates. This is all according to the forecast. And it's that they're saying that it's likely that the component of demand from first-time buyers will have to be given back. I don't agree with that part because there's so many millennial home buyers coming to the market that I mean, you got 78 million of them in the country. And we've talked about this at length. And that's more than baby boomers at their peak. And they drove the economy for decades. And a lot of these folks, they're, they still haven't bought anything yet. And they're not going to be ready to buy something. So even though that we're, we're seeing rates go up a little bit, and we're seeing that there, is, uh, there, there has been some strong home price gains because of rates, that, that's kind of evened out. And there's going to be folks that maybe missed the market this year that aren't going to be able to buy anything until now. And these are the people that should be getting off the fence versus, you know, waiting until, until the spring. So I don't see the demand slowing down until inventory comes up a bit. And inventory's also jumped up. If you look at just where we are locally in our market and uh, we, we, we do this calculation internally so we can share this data with consumers based on the April 2021 uh, sales statistics in Delaware, Montgomery and, and Philadelphia, and where they were through October, we saw inventory jump up 15.65% in Chester County, 40.76% in Delaware County, bananas, 13.43% in Montgomery, and 28.75% in Philadelphia. So we're, we're seeing inventory tick up at a time of year when it goes the other way. And with rates starting to creep up, I mean, we, I've seen even sales statistics from October to November in the early in, in the early few weeks here. We're three weeks through November. That pace hasn't slowed down where normally it would. And that's the thing that I don't, I don't think they're anticipating. And when you look into their article here and some of these models that they run, I mean, they have the Mortgage Bankers Association and what Freddie Mac is projecting. They have the most conservative mortgage interest rate um, appreciation figures compared to Freddie Mac and the Mortgage Bankers Association. Just if you look at the end of 2022, Freddie Mac saying 3.7, mortgage bankers are saying 4%. I mean, that, that you know, I think there, there's a lot of factors there, especially what the Fed's going to do as, as being a big component of that. But even if rates go up, these people, they're, they're, there's people that are going to move because of life decisions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them haven't been able to do that over the past 18, 19, 20 months because of the inventory, their life's not going to change back to what it was before the pandemic, right? Like you had a baby, the baby's not going back after the, you know what I mean? <laughs> Your kids got older, they're not getting smaller mm -hmm. and you know, you get divorced or someone passes away, unfortunately. Job changes. Yeah, these things don't change. And especially with the call of people coming back to work a little bit too, I, I don't, I don't really agree with the, the number of home sales falling um, I do agree with a lot of other stuff in here. I, I don't see this really changing until 2025, 2026. And in the, yeah, in the heading, it says home sales and prices expected to decline. <laughs> I didn't see any data about prices I, no, in here, by the right. way. No. And you hear that a lot from buyers. I'm going to wait till the prices come down. It's like, well, <laughs> when did it really ever come down except, you know, the 2008 uh, mm -hmm. right, right. recession? But that was a totally different situation. So that does not apply to this. Um I'm solidly convinced prices are not coming down. They're, they just don't move that direction in real estate for the most part. Um, so that is the clickbait part, I think, because that's wishful thinking on a lot of people. 
but it's just not the reality. So um, I, I, I don't see that happening. And I agree with, with uh, not only is it uh, the millennials, but you have the baby boomers who are looking to downsize. Mm-hmm. So they're selling and they're purchasing too, for the most part. Um, you know, they're going into smaller houses. So yeah, it's, I, I definitely see it continuing to be a really steady, solid market in the, in the next coming years, for sure. Well, how about that Realtor.com survey from last week too? I mean, they, they said that, that you know, 25% yeah. of all the homeowners out there are looking to list their home in the next 12 months and 65% of the 25%, it comes out to 16 and a quarter, have already started the process now. We haven't seen that many people coming to the market in almost two years. So that would be totally contradictory to what we're seeing here. And then if you go in, and to, to your point about the article, Stacey, um, if you go into the the very bottom here, um, there's a there's a chart of the annual home price appreciation that comes from the Fannie Mae Economic and Housing Forecast in November. At no point in this, up until 2023, do I see a negative appreciation? Um, right. right now, they're uh, we're in Q4. They're anticipating 16.6 percent year over year. Then it goes to 14.8 percent Q1 2022. Then it kind of slowly declines up until the end of 2023 to 2.9%. So uh, the, the, these headlines are just ridiculous. And that, and unfortunately, and I'd love to get your feedback on this, how many times do you go this in-depth in an article as a consumer or do you just read the headline? Yeah, I mean, if you're, unless if it's something that you're really digging into, it's very easy to just read headlines or just skim over the the first paragraph or two. Um, so yeah, to really get to the meat of it, you have to, you have to read through the, the full thing. And I think absolutely the headline here, uh, is misleading for, (laughs) for what it breaks down. I think the average person probably just reads headlines and, um, regurgitates these headlines. And that's how a lot of misinformation gets out there, um, because they don't go, they don't spend the time to go in depth. They just believe what they see at that little snippet, um, because sometimes digging deep into this, is, it's time consuming, but you have to do it. You have to do your due sure. diligence. Well, when you're making a big financial decision, absolutely. So let, let's talk a real life scenario here. You got a client that comes to you and said, hey, I read this article that the Fann- Fannie Mae is predicting prices are going to start declining and home sales are going to decline. What are you telling them? Because it sounds like we're all three pretty clearly disagree on this with our own research that we do literally on a daily basis. How are you verbalizing that to a consumer? Because that's what people need to hear right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, listen, there's there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of headlines out there that <laughs> can, uh, you know, support whatever it is that you're kind of looking to have backed. But what we can tell you is, you know, what we've seen actually happen and just really hit back on um, who we know is coming to market and who is looking to purchase homes. Um and it all comes it all comes to supply and demand. And we know that there are people out there that want to purchase these homes. So, um, you know, you can read as as many different articles or headlines as as you want to. But um, I guess I would just break down the facts for them of what's going on locally in this area and what we're predicting over the next, you know, a couple months and into the next couple years. Exactly. So you're a seller thinking about selling or you're a buyer thinking about buying. And, and this is really what, what the show's designed for is to break this down. So, you know, we're, we're, some of this data in here is relevant. I just don't agree with the decline in sales. So what are you, what are you telling maybe buyers and sellers in, in a couple sentences? 
what these projections mean, because this is not going to be the last prediction that comes out in the next 30 days. This is the time of year where everyone has their own predictions. We're, in fact, going to do it on the show in a couple of weeks. So how are you verbalizing, okay, here's the prediction, and now here's what it means for the market? Because there's people out there that probably don't know what to think with all the news that's out there. I mean, the news is, is so irresponsible anymore. So how are you verbalizing that for a buyer and a seller? Well, for buyers, uh, they can still capitalize on the low interest rates and um, get into the housing market and save money. And also, if they can get into the housing market and purchase in 2022, they will enjoy uh, and what is projected a 15% appreciation value on their home. So, I mean, and that's, that's enormous appreciation value there um, when it's usually in the single digits. So, whereas if you purchased in 2020, or in 2021, you're going to see that year over year appreciated value at this point. Some folks have even, uh, who bought in 2020 are listing their houses again on the market and they're seeing a 15% um, profit coming out of that home that they just purchased a year ago. So I would tell buyers definitely you, if you're thinking, even considering you, you have to get into the market um, if not right now, then early into 2022, there is going to be more inventory. There is ways that we can search for more inventory also. Um, but definitely take that jump and get in because, uh, you're going to, um, you're going to reap that appreciation value too. And I don't think they want to miss out on that. Yeah, I, I agree. And then for, for sellers, I think I would hit on the fact that, um, exactly like you just went over there, that 25% of homeowners are thinking about listing their home. So, um, you know, you're looking at at more competition. Um, for any home that we go out and do a, a listing appointment for, as you guys both know, we break down the comps, we show what, you know, what's being sold for what and what your competition right now looks like. Um, and that's, that's just going to continue to grow as as listings uh, continue to come to market. So, um for any seller, like it's it's better not to have a whole bunch of competition right in your neighborhood or right around you. Um, so if you want to get ahead of the, you know, get ahead of it, it would be better to to get out there and and get this legwork done now and and get it on the market. You, you both bring up great points, and what I would add on to that, if you're the buyer that only wants to go see homes and not get clear on the process, like find someone that's going to spend ten to fifteen minutes with you and breaking down like here's how it works, here's what's happening in the market. And I'd be asking any agent you meet with these questions, like what's happening in the market? What do you anticipate? What's the year over year appreciation? All that stuff. If they can't answer that question, like these are the kind of questions people ask lawyers, attorneys, lawyers are attorneys, accountants, <laughs> um, <laughs> all, all, the, all the experts. So that's really what you need to focus on. Anything else you want to add in here? <coughs> I think for sellers too, um, getting into the market at this lower inventory um, can be really beneficial as far as potential multiple offers and, you know, getting over asking price and waiving inspections. So the less competition, uh, the more you as a seller can benefit. So that's another thing to consider. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I think the whole point is like, you got to look at your situation, what's best for you, number one, and then determine how you can work around the market conditions, because that's a mistake a lot of people make. They only sell because of the market. And this is a really personal decision to buy or sell a property. Mm -hmm. So if you're not focused on what's going to be best for your household first, 
that's where a lot of mistakes can be made. So, um, and what we're going to do here is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the love letter case. It's back in court now. So it's getting appealed in the state of Oregon. This is really, really interesting to me. We're also going to talk about the biggest turkey of the year in honor of Thanksgiving. And then we're going to come back for our third segment with Akpo Omeni of Omeni Family Dentistry doing some really cool stuff in Paoli and Phoenixville. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low down payment options for your free pre-approval call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com the real estate market is red hot have you considered taking advantage call the tom tool sales group at remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website tomtool.com to connect and take advantage of 30 seconds buying a home or already own one we can help I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-81-10-043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Welcome back. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. She's Stacy Mitchell. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. So uh, we've got a couple things we're going to talk about next on this next segment here. The first one we're going to talk about is is the less fun of the two. So we'll start there. It's always best to get the admin out of the way, right? Um, Love letters. So we, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, and if you recall, or if you didn't, Oregon, uh, out in Oregon, um, they, uh, they, they passed a law that basically made it illegal to write love letters from home buyers to home sellers saying like, dear Mr. Seller, please pick our offer, blah, 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 because of fair housing concerns. Uh, specifically, they could tell they have like have kids or what their family status is like or what holidays they celebrate or including a picture. And then you can really make a lot of judgments about people. Um, and I'm not saying this, this, this happens or doesn't happen. This is just the concern that was surrounding those sort of personal letters. And this came out, I think it was today, the Pacific Legal Foundation, they filed a lawsuit Friday that claims the new law, which requires real estate agents to reject those letters. So saying, hey, we're not going to present them. It represents a violation of the client's and the agent's First Amendment rights. And that was first filed on the Total Real Estate Group in Bend, Oregon. They go on to say guesswork is not adequate grounds for suppressing truthful speech, nor can the legislature broadly prohibit expression because a small portion of it might theoretically prompt some people to violate the law. 
What do you think about this? I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out because um, this does intrigue me. I know how our uh, firm feels about love letters mm-hmm. um, because there's the risk is there. So anytime there is a risk of a violation, we try to avoid that at all costs. Sure. <laughs> we don't need extra, um, you know, situations. Uh, they come up enough as as already. And this is just one easy way to avoid any kind of um, misconceptions. So, but I understand how, you know, it's something that's pretty, uh, seems to be pretty benign on the buyers. And they, you know, I get asked this a lot. Can we write a letter? Can we write a letter? Um, and to them, they, it's hard for them to understand that you really can't because these things could happen. Something simply, simple like uh, the house is real close to my church. You know, that could, that could be a violation. So I, I'm just really curious to, to see the outcome of this because I'm, I was pretty sure that uh, if this was going to stand in Oregon, it was going to definitely become law into other states. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually work its way to Pennsylvania. So, um, but again, in our firm, we, uh, we try to eliminate the love letter situation. Yeah. And that, costs. that is something that I do have buyers ask me about um, pretty frequently, you know, like, hey, like I've heard of, you know, my friends wrote a letter or, you know, I was, I was advised that this would be a good move. And um, because it's nice that we do just have our policy of like, no, so that you, you don't have to go back and forth too much about like, let me proofread it. Let me make sure you don't have anything in there that could, you know, go against fair housing. Um, and it, for the most part, when I just say, you know, like, hey, this is our policy, we don't do it. And this is why I don't really get much pushback on it. Um, but it will be interesting to see what they what they come out and and say, the result of this is is going to be. I also thought it was interesting that in the article, they had said there really wasn't any proof that any of these letters had, you know, broken any, you know, had had done anything to violate um, fair housing. But I mean, that's probably a pretty difficult thing to to track. Um, so I don't, I don't know exactly how they would go about doing that, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what the result is. Cause this is something that comes up, uh, pretty frequently. So, so there, there, I, I think you guys both have a really good observation here. Um, th- to me, there's two parts of this. There's what violates free speech and then what's the realtor's duties, which I think are, are two very different things. Um, writing the letter. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I, anyone can write a letter they want. doesn't mean you have to read it. I, I see fundamentally where the argument comes from. Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll see if this gets challenged more, if it gets thrown out. You know, Oregon, the, the, the climate there is a little different than other places. So I think that's going to be very telling what happens across the board to, to what you said, Stacey. At, at the same time, I mean, there, 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 there is the, the issue of like the code of ethics and that realtors are held to a higher standard than different people. So like, for example, wholesalers are, I mean, if you don't know what a wholesaler is, they basically go in, they try to buy properties under market and then take the equity from the seller and put it in their pocket. If a realtor was to do that, a realtor could be up for an ethical violation because they have a real estate license versus, you know, someone in the public that doesn't have that license. So that's a component of this too. Um, I also, you bring up a good point, Sarah. They say, well, theoretically, you could violate it. Well, of course, no one's going to come forward and say, yeah, I violated fair housing to get my house. <laughs> and, you know, the buyer doesn't care and, and they just want to get the house in a lot of cases. I mean, what are they going to do? Take the home away from them? I, I just don't right. see how it's enforceable after the fact. 
this is uh, an, an issue because I've seen people, you know, and I've seen these letters come in where it says, hey, my my client's disabled and they really need one for a living. Like, I mean, that is exactly what you're not supposed to do. Um, and, and I've seen these things come in. And, you know, from our perspective, we've got to protect our clients and we've got to protect ourselves. So this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Do you think it gets overturned? That's the big question here. Yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I really don't know because I could, I can see it on both sides, you know, the, the freedom of speech part of it. Um, but also on the responsibility of us as agents, you know, <laughs> acting ethically. So yeah, I don't know. It's to me, it's a toss up and that's why I'm going to sit back and see what happens. I don't think it's going to get overturned, but I, you know, I can't really back that up. <laughs> um, so I mean, it is, I, I can absolutely see both, both sides to it, but I, I, I don't think it'll get overturned. So my prediction is based on the NAR DOJ case because DOJ gave some like very specific, you guys need to be doing these things to clean up your industry. And none of it mentioned these love letters and NAR already gave the guidance in July that you shouldn't accept these. So my anticipation is it does not get overturned because it wasn't in the DOJ guidance. Now, it's the only state that the law is, is Oregon. So I think what's going to happen here is if it does get overturned, a realtor is going to get sued. And just like mm -hmm. the guy who got sued down in Florida where they, they went after him for representing both sides and, and all that stuff. Some, there's going to be a lawsuit that happens here stemming from this on the other way. Not that, hey, this isn't inappropriate, but imagine a buyer that's like really ticked off that they lose out on five, six houses, yeah. right? We've all had these people. Yep. And imagine that they say, you know what? Screw it. We're going to sue. And we're going to sue the seller and we're going to sue the listing agent and we're going to sue. And there's someone that will do it takes a certain kind of person to do this. And what if it comes out? They have, I mean, everything's trackable and discoverable, right? And emails and all that stuff. So I, that's where the risk is. So if it goes the other way, I anticipate this isn't the end of this year. This is going to be a continuing issue. I agree, especially, well, because it, even if they do overturn it in Oregon, it doesn't mean that other states could. It doesn't mean NAR is going to change their guidance right. either. That's true. So, um, but, and then they could challenge it again. So yeah, I'm just, I'm curious to see how it, how it pans out. I, I think this is dangerous territory. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if you're an agent, I would just stay away from this stay and just eat it. some popcorn on the sidelines and watch how it plays out because this is exactly. really dangerous and I would keep following the guidelines. So, um, this is going to be, be very interesting. So, we got Akpo Omeni here. He just came in. He's sitting in on the end of this segment. Uh, Akpo, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, and then you can kind of chime in here on Biggest Turkey of the Year. Tell them who you are, what you're up to. Uh, yeah, sure. But before I do that, Tom, what happened last week? Because you missed two days of Peloton, and that's just not like Yeah, it. I know. I, I was sick. <laughs> I was in okay? your office. No, you were there. I actually, I actually saw your wife. On Sarah. I was not. I was not feeling well. I was a little out of it. So that, that's exactly what happened. But just wanted to make sure, man. Just I'm going to pull up sure your schedule at the break, and then we'll, we'll compare here. <laughs> Let's not do that. Everyone needs a rest day. That, that, we'll leave it at that. Fair enough. Um, as far as intros go, I'm Akpo. I, um, uh, my wife and I own a dental practice uh, in Paoli, a Mene family in cosmetic dentistry. Um, uh, we do a ton of work on the cosmetic side, so we do a lot of full mouth rejuvenations. We um, make your smile look pretty, basically. Um, but we're also fun on the side. So that's a, that's a nice caveat to go, to go with it. It's not like your typical dental practice where you walk in dreading, uh, what you're going to go through, but you typically walk in quite excited to see the people at the front to banter a little bit, grab some coffee, chat before you go upstairs. And it's usually a fun time. And, um, yeah, so we're quite proud of that. 
Well, we'll get into that in the next segment, but I would say personally as a, as a, as a client and a patient of theirs, that is 100% accurate. I don't know, Sarah, if you want to add in your, we got many, many patients here of, of Akpo and, and Julia's. They are the best. Um, <laughs> I love them. I live in Philly and I drive to Paoli to go to the dentist, even though there's dentists all around me. I'm like, nope, going to, going to Omene. <laughs> and I didn't even pay her to say that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> now you got it on video so we can repurpose it. So that, that's a really good testimonial. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We're going to jump into Omene family dentistry and the practice here uh, in, in about five, 10 minutes here. So what we're going to go over next, last segment, because it's Thanksgiving, biggest turkey of the year, everyone's assessment there. And what we're looking for is I actually went in and pulled the definition of turkey. So besides the fowl that everyone's going to eat on Thursday, or at least the people that eat meat, it's a failure or flop or a foolish or inept person. That's what we're looking for here. Biggest turkey of the year. Or three strikes in a row. That is also a definition. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> excellent call. Uh, really? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. That is. Yes. Okay. Um, and so I, I posted this on Instagram. I got a ton of responses. Do you ladies have anything prep? Biggest turkey of the year? Who you're thinking? I've got one that I'm going to identify at the end and I'll give you all the suggestions I got as well. Well, mine's not a person, but my biggest turkey of the year. Well, I have a couple of them. I, I wouldn't say of the year, but pumpkin spice everything is one of my <laughs> biggest turkey. I'm like, I'm tired of pumpkin spice everything. It's like you go to the grocery store, everything is pumpkin spice. It doesn't need to be. Like marshmallows don't need to be pumpkin spice. It doesn't okay? need to be. <laughs> no. But what oh, about the funny. people who only get to enjoy that for like four weeks of the year? Well, I, yeah, I, but everything, like it's everything. It's in every cookie. It's in every, it's in vodka. I mean, it's everywhere. You just look and you'll find it. I say they stock up. <laughs> yeah, they could stock, they stock up. That's, and I think then they can enjoy it. That's a good point. Probably do. <laughs> and I have another um, big turkey of the year. Facebook's rebranding and calling themselves Meta. So... So tell us more about that. Why do you think that's a turkey? I think everyone's got an opinion on well, that. I think they're they're just trying to shake off some negative press lately. And, you know, their quick answer is, you know, just to grab meta and, and, and run with it. And then they put out all these ads. I know you've seen them on TV, you know, and they're all very, very scripted. And they to me, they just look so overly done. Um, so I think that's a big turkey right there. Mm-hmm. So meta, the meta rebrand is a pretty good one. Pumpkin spice latte. That's very divisive. You might alienate <laughs> half the population there. <laughs> that's pretty interesting. The meta rebrand. Sarah, what do you got? Come back to me. Okay. All right. So <laughs> let me give you the suggestions I got on Instagram and on Facebook. So um, we got Ben Simmons from the Sixers. I think everyone knows that one. That's not very exciting. Um, we got Kendall Roy from Succession. You guys watch that show at all? Yes. So if you haven't, just Google him because the guy, I mean, I would say that guy is a turkey. I, w- I would totally agree with that. Um, turkey Tom Ferry, I don't really understand that one, but that's okay. Byron Lazine, who hosts the 5 a.m. call with us. I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure he's going to have an opinion about that. The broke agent for turning his real estate business into a meme business. And that was pretty interesting. Um, I'll give you mine. And I think this one is, I want to get some feedback on it. Zillow's eye buying program. Mm. Did anything fail bigger in real estate than Zillow in 2021 with the eye buying wow. program specifically? That's a really good. One. I know you've had some pretty strong feelings on that. Could you talk me through that a little bit more? Sure. So they they were. I mean, Zillow were, were look. We have a partnership with Zillow, and as far as that goes, that's great. They went through uh, eye buying. So basically, they're buying homes sight unseen, and you could go on their website. And in certain markets like Texas, Florida, um, Arizona, parts of California they would give you an instant offer. 
And, and you can do that around here with some of these like investors and, 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 and stuff like that. And I, I found these people have really come out of the woodwork over the past 12 months. I mean, I, I don't, I know you mentioned you, you run into this a little bit with some properties you own, Stacy, and they were going out and there was two or three case studies specifically in Texas where an agent met them and said, Hey, the best you can get your home sold for is like 325. And then Zillow bought it for 340. And they were buying above the market, presumably to buy market share, where it was such a big story. There was, what was the guy's name in Las Vegas? Remember who we're talking about? He was on TikTok saying, what if this company was buying all the market share to control all the houses? Yes, and he didn't name the company. And he didn't name the company, but he, he called him like a, something with a Z. Um, <laughs> so all this happened. And, and, and that, he wasn't the only person that had that theory, by the way, that they were trying to buy market share and raise the prices. And then they had the Q3 earn, earnings call where they said, hey, we're, we're out of iBuying. We lost a ton of money on it. We're going to sell all the houses. And this was their vision, like pretty clearly when Rich Barton took over, um, who was their new CEO. And so, I mean, if you're going to sell all the houses and you're not buying these homes anymore and you can't flip them, I mean, that's as big of a failure as I've seen in real estate in a long time, especially at the corporate level. Do you think that's something idealistically it is viable? Or do you think even on the base idea standpoint, it can't actually be done? I'm clear it is viable and there's other companies doing it. I don't know that they executed it properly. Gotcha. So uh, the execution part of it. Yeah. It, and, they, and, well, and, and Barton came out and said that they were using the algorithm basically to purchase. like that. And so they're, how they would value homes. We know that's not totally accurate. I mean, you see, the, you see what homes sell for and it, it's never in line. So I don't know that their, their execution was right. And obviously it, it hurt their stock price pretty dramatically. I mean, they went from trading up to, you know, like 135 bucks down to like $68, $70. So the market didn't like it either. So I would say from a, from a failure standpoint, that particular program is a fail. I'm still bullish on Zillow. I don't think they're going anywhere. We've talked about that at length. It's just this arm of their program didn't work out so well. Yeah, that it was a yeah, that was a big turkey for them, that's for sure. But <laughs> that, but they're not going anywhere. They I just agree, are clipping yeah. that that wing part of it. <laughs> well, everything else they've done has been flawless. I mean, they mm -hmm. they they had a meteoric rise when they came on. It's just that particular thing mm -hmm. didn't work out well for them, and that's all that I'm saying about it. I don't think it's it's not the company, it's not the model. It's I buying at scale using an algorithm versus. A lot of these iBuyers, they, they send someone into the property and then buy it. So it's not like they'll make the offer, but then it's kind of like a contingency period where you get like 15 days to see if you're going to move ahead or not. That's mm -hmm. kind of how they work. And, and they didn't seem to be doing their due diligence appropriately there. I wonder if it's better for them to go purchase one of the larger or some of the more regional real estate brokerage. I think that might be what's coming here. I mean, yeah. I, I don't and know then, what they're going to do. Then they have foot, like, you know, foot traffic to actually go in and see and then start to do it. Again. I don't know. Maybe I should work for Zillow. <laughs> wrong business. Wrong business. I'll keep my ideas to myself. <laughs> well, I think what you're talking about is accurate, that, that I think they underestimated the power of, of, of local understanding of the market. Like right. you can't do all this from like behind a computer screen in Seattle right. or Denver or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. that, that was the miss, if anything else. So you're right on. I mean, I don't think anything here is in, 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 inaccurate at all, Akbo. That's good stuff. Sarah, you got a turkey yet? Man, I don't. But do you know what? I'm going to have one next week and it can kind of be like that, uh, the turkey sandwich, you know, it's like the leftovers I like it. and it's going to be really delicious. And uh, I think we're all going to enjoy it. It's going to be the pumpkin Sounds spice, good. pumpkin spice version of the turkey, of the biggest turkey. Yeah, we'll put it on a roll, some cranberry sauce yeah. and pumpkin spice seasoning just there for Stacey. The extra. All right. Good Sounds stuff. Good. All right. So that's Turkey of the Year. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Omene Family Dentistry, the best dentist I've ever been to in my life. And I've had some horror stories. 
This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered... 10 seconds. Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com. Stand by. And take advantage of these market conditions. All right, all right, all right. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. She's Stacey Mitchell. And we have super dentist, business manager, Akpo Omene in the house with Omene Family Dentistry. And again, we all work, with the exception of Akpo, at the uh, Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. So, Akpo, I mean, we've known each other a while. I'm excited to have you on here. you got a couple patients in the room as well. Um, you and your wife own a, a, a pretty sizable dental practice, Omene Family Dentistry. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, and then we can kind of get into the ins and outs of what that's like on a daily basis and how you can help people. Sure. Um, first off, thanks for having me guest appear on your show. I've got to say, I'm tremendously impressed with all the stuff that you haven't been friends with you for the past few years <laughs> and watch you grow as much as you have year over year over year. You're like the Zillow of PA realtor <laughs> without the mistakes, without the eye-buying mistakes. That, that is quite the compliment, my friend. But, Thank you. But it really has been tremendous to watch. I'm so very proud of the stuff that you've done. Um, all right, let's talk about me instead then. Um, <laughs> so, so my wife and I, uh, we bought we bought the practice about six and a half years ago, probably. Um, it's been a practice for about 70 years, but it's only ever had three owners. So it's a practice that's had a lot of love in it. Um, there's clearly a lot of care around the practice, and that's something that we kept and we 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 wanted to we wanted to maintain. We've had people who have been in that practice for 70 years. They've had their kids come. They've had their grandkids come. Some of them have their great-grandkids come. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, so we're quite proud of that fact. Um, we, I think, are the key things that I want people to take out of it is, is that going to the dentist doesn't have to suck, right? Mm -hmm. you, three, it's very, very important that you go because, you know, you could, you could lead, with not going could lead to a lot of problems. But, um, when you do, you want to have a good experience. And that is what we provide. There's so many people who are scared, so many people who have had such poor experiences. But our secret sauce is that we try and melt that away. 
as best as we can. So right from the first time that you text us or you call us or you email us, the response that you get is designed to alleviate that anxiety. We've had people who've spent literally weeks on the phone with us just trying to decide whether or not they want to come in because they're so anxious. But we just take that time. We'll take that time to make sure that we can give you what you want um, and make sure that we can take care of you in any way that you want. If you want nitrous, we've got nitrous. If you want anything to alleviate, <laughs> honestly, anything that you need, we will do. Um, outside of that, uh, Julia, my wife, is the dentist and she is, she's just an artist at what she does. She really, really loves to make people smile um, and she wants to make sure that smile is excellent. She's a perfectionist, um, but um, not the weirdo perfectionist that you have in science class and chemistry, <laughs> um, but the perfectionist that still really loves people, um, has tremendous bedside manner and just loves what she does. And the only thing she loves more than what she does is probably her patients. She really, really loves her patients. And a lot of that comes across in everything that we do. And so I think that's one of the, those are a couple of things that make us stand out. And I think that's why we've been as successful as we have been over the past six years. So you said something there. I, I find that the, any business that succeeds, they have a human connection, right? And, and, and you talk about your patients and how much you care for them. Um, and, and I love that answer because there's a lot of dentists and like, I think everyone's got their dental horror story at some point, not at your, not at your practice, obviously, but I mean, I've had, I certainly had them. So how do you go about building that? Cause I think that people are afraid of going to the dentist and, and you said something that's very similar to what we do is that going to the dentist doesn't have to suck. Selling your home also sucks. And we try to take like the suck out of it. So I, that's one of the reasons why I think why we get along so well. So, so how do you go about that? Because I think there's probably someone listening right now that is deathly afraid of the dentist. <laughs> Two things. I think time, you have to take your time with the patient. You have to make them feel comfortable and you've got to be genuine. You actually have to genuinely care. And I think that is something that comes across when people meet us, talk to us, interact with us, is that we genuinely care. One of the things that I say about myself particularly is that I, I just love people and I love to make people happy. Uh, and so that comes across in the way that we run the practice, that comes across in the type of people that we hire, comes across in the way that we interact with people. Everything permeates from that. Um, and we just try and take as much time as they need. Um, it's so important that people feel comfortable. Not that you just give them answers, but they have to feel like you care and they have to feel like you have their best interests at heart. Uh, and when they experience those things it's really hard for them to turn turn around and go back i mean totally accurate and, and ladies feel free to jump in here because i think in, in today's world especially like after the past 18 20 months you can pretty much tell in like two or three minutes how like authentic someone is or if they're full of crap and, and mm -hmm. unfortunately some dentists don't don't approach it like that they just look at the, i gotta get this patient in i gotta get this next cavity filled and there there is that 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 caring atmosphere you know at your practice and and that's one of the things i appreciate about it because I'm one of those people that thought going to the dentist sucks. So, and, and, and I've gone through it. Um, you guys have a pretty diverse practice too. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of things here that, that you guys do that are not normal and they help a lot of people. Um, I mean, Invisalign, Botox, teeth whitening, talk a little bit about like what, what you do as a practice, because most dentists I know don't, don't offer all these things. So we, we thought it was important to try and in addition to trying to make the dentist a little bit more fun, we wanted to make sure we limited the amount of times you had to come back for whatever it was. So the more things that we could do in-house, the better. Um, because, you know, if you come in once and get three things done, it's better than going to three different places trying to get the same three things done. Um, so as a practice with a very heavy cosmetic focus, because again, Julia really sees things more of an art as a 
as opposed to like a, a science. She really sees the beauty in things and tries to create beauty in what she does. Um, and so we do a lot of teeth whitening because that's a big part of making um, you know a smile very, very beautiful. We do a lot of Invisalign um, because beyond making smiles beautiful, Invisalign is incredibly powerful and clear liner therapy is truly powerful in making sure that you have a healthy smile. Um, because if your teeth are aligned properly, there's a lot less chances that you're going to get cavities. There's a lot less space for bacteria and decay to sit in. So it's not just, hey, make my smile pretty, but it also gives it a much longer chance of lasting in your mouth forever. Um, and so we incorporate a lot of these things because it all feeds back to what is the overall goal and is trying to make the patient as healthy as possible. That is the overall goal, right? How can we get you as healthy and how can we get you as happy as much as we can. And so that's why we do all of these things. If you're thinking about, you know, I just don't love my smile. A lot of people spent so much time on Zoom and at home, um, you know, just looking at themselves, right? How many of us looked at ourselves in the, like on computer screen and like, dang, I do need to do the Tom Tool thing and get a Peloton because this face <laughs> is way too round. Right? Bring done that, man. Bring right? done it's, that. Doesn't it suck? It's the, the worst thing. And so we had, we came out of pandemic and we've got all these people calling like, hey, thank you for talking to me about this stuff for the past 15 years. Now I am ready to do it. But um, a lot of people came back feeling that way. And there's been this massive push for people to be more healthy. So instead of having to go to 15 different places, we do uh, teeth whitening. We do a complete smile makeover, whether it's veneers, whether it's crowns. Uh, we do clear line of th therapy with Invisalign. Um, but we also do Botox and Juvederm. That's something that's very, very, very popular. Um, Julia, again, loves that stuff. She really loves to make the patient a complete, give them a complete picture of how they can really enhance their look. Uh, and so Botox and Juvederm is a key cornerstone of our practice. Facial cosmetics in general is a key cornerstone of our practice. And it's another thing that we're hopeful, not hopeful, we found a lot of success in, in sort of encompassing that whole holistic or whole dental experience beyond just the teeth. Do you see a lot of other practices doing that? Because this is very foreign to me until I met you that, I mean, most of the time it's like, hey, come in, we'll clean your teeth and then you can go everywhere else for for whatever you need. I mean, th this to me seems pretty revolutionary. It is. It's not the, it's not the most popular thing in dental offices. No. Um, and also a lot of dentists, sometimes it might be just something that they do, but not something that they're particularly good at. Uh, the difference with us is she takes a ton of training for that. It takes a ton of continuing education. The biggest reason for fights in our house <laughs> is the amount of money we have to spend on continuing <laughs> education every year. It is insane, yeah. but it's worth it because, again, it makes them more talented and it makes them more confident in what they do. It makes them want to do more of what they do and be even better at it. Uh, so it's not very, very popular in many dental practices. And even if you do see it in dental practices, sometimes it's really not a core competency. And for us, it really is one of our core competencies. And it's one of the things that sets us apart the most beyond our wonderful smiles and personalities, obviously. But that's just by the side. <laughs> I've never heard of a dental practice doing that. What is Juvederm? Juvederm is usually something to help plump up uh, the lip area and some of the cheeks. Um, so like fillers, yeah. Okay. There you go. Like fillers. AA fillers. Gotcha. No, I've never heard. Um, my family practice actually, um, does Botox, which I thought was interesting, but they're also, um, encompassing more holistic stuff too, like chiropractic and massage therapy. So, and then they incorporate the Botox, but yeah. as far as a dentist or a dental office doing that, I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, and again, we always want to, we, 
you just think back, like, how can we enhance the patient experience and how mm-hmm. can we make our patients happy? Mm-hmm. Uh, that really, really is the thing that we hang every decision on. Is this going to enhance the patient experience? Is this going to make them happy? And when we do it, we really dedicate ourselves to it. So it's not something that is a fad or it's not something that's something we do on the side, but it really is a um, something that we're proud of and something that we think we do a really good job at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think also like when you walk in your office, you really do feel it from every every interaction that you have there. That um, there is care that goes into this. There is thoughtfulness. There is knowledge. Like you always feel confident when Julia comes in and she looks at you know at whatever is is going on. Um, she knows what she's doing, and I feel like she's also very good at wanting to keep you know everyone looking natural and just bringing out and kind of enhancing. Um, what you have. So she's, she is phenomenal. I like cannot speak highly enough. (laughs) Yeah. ST, it's been, you know, I think I've known you just about as long as I've known Tom. So it's been many, (laughs) many years. I think the one thing that really is the most disappointing since we've come back is that we can't give hugs as much anymore. I used to really love like that patient interaction side of it. It was like, I really used to really love like high-fiving and chatting with patients Mm -hmm. and, you know, really sharing a lot of those stories. We've had to tone that down, obviously, because of uh, pandemic rules and um, being just a little bit more careful. But that's one of the things that I hope comes back really, really soon because it, it's just something that endears us to our patients and vice versa. Um, you know, that patient experience is just so key and it's something that we, we want to continue to build on. Couple, couple key takeaways I had, and I think this is for any business owner that's listening, no matter what you're doing. Continuing education, self-education. If you're not innovating in today's world, someone's going to be, I mean, we, we do the same thing at our organization. So I love that. Um, I also love the, the, the client experience or the patient experience. We different, uh, nouns, same idea because people want everything easier, faster, smoother. And they want, now I found they want like a human touch more. Like they want actually like some sort of experience that is just going in and out of like an office building. So there's no, there's no doubt. That's one of the reasons why you guys are seeing such great success and, and you're expanding. So here's the big question. What's it like working with your wife every day? Because I think my wife and I would literally kill each other at our office. And I'm not saying that about you and your wife. But I mean, this is I think people have to go through this. It's either it works or it doesn't. And your background wasn't in running a dental office. So I'd love to hear, you know, kind of like your story, how you build up the practice as well, because that's going to give people more of the human experience behind your business. Great question. And I do want to go back to some of the stuff that you talked about in terms of building a business because I think and staying relevant. Um, But as far as my wife and I go, it is not, funnily enough, it's not until very recently that we realized that the fact that we work together is not necessarily normal. We just (laughs) thought it was your husband, it's your wife, you're with them every day anyway. You might as well just (laughs) work with them. Um, But it's only recently when more and more people ask that question. It's like, how do you do it? Because I cannot imagine working with my spouse. Um, So we're very fortunate to have that kind of relationship. It's an incredibly symbiotic one. We play very different roles, um, but I think there's a ton of respect for each other. And we know that we are all pushing towards the same goal, right? We're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to achieve the same thing. And more importantly, we're also trying to do it the same way, which is the right way. Um, and so that symbiosis makes it a lot easier. I think from a personality standpoint, where it, it also just meshes very, very well. Um, so we're quite fortunate in that regard. Um, but it's definitely not for everyone. And, and, and because we have become more cognizant of it now, it's something that we definitely try to maintain and keep, 
keep keep working on just to make sure that it still works. Um, but it's a special thing and I'm very, very grateful to have a partner like that because it really does make working a lot more awesome. Uh, than I anticipated would be otherwise. So, so it's been it's been great. How did we get into the space? So, about six years ago, maybe seven years ago now, um, we, I, I used to do venture capital and private equity uh, recruitment. So, not that fun, not that sexy. <laughs> um, but but I loved it. It was a company in King of Prussia. Awesome guys, still love them, still visit them today. They're they're great, and they really got me my start in business. Um, but once we got married and our first child was on the way, um, I kept telling her, I was like, Hey, I know the kind of mom that you want to be. I know the kind of wife that you want to be. I know the kind of practitioner you want to be to be able to have the flexibility and time to especially be the kind of mom you want to be. It's going to be very difficult to do that if you work for someone else. And very, very immediately she was like absolutely not i have no interest in running a dental practice or owning a dental practice because i work for a doctor now who does own his practice and 90 percent of what he does is running a business and like only 10 percent is actually doing the work of dentistry and he's got to take that home with him and it's just a, a lot of stress that i do not want so no but me being the pain in the butt that i am i was like yeah kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and you know being the kind-hearted person that she was she was like all right fine but i'll make you a deal we can buy practice but i'm just going to be the dentist i'm going to see people i'm going to see my patients take care of them do dentistry and i'm going to go home and i'm going to call it a day and you can do everything else but i'm not doing any of that and i just want to be a dentist so I was like, ah, yeah, sure, why not? Whatever. I'll do that for like two, three months, find someone else to do it, and then I'll be on my way. Uh, fast forward, <laughs> you know, almost seven years and you know, we're still here and and we're still working together. So it didn't quite pan out. But um, but it was it has been a whirlwind. And so to bring it back full circle to the point that you made, something that you said really stuck out in that you have to continue to innovate, to, to grow in any industry today, you always have to be innovative, but you have to adapt to the, to the client or to the patient as well. Um, what got you here isn't going to keep you here. That's a very good saying that I always try to remember. Mm -hmm. And so all the things that we did that got us to where we were, they don't matter now. They mm -hmm. really don't. They actually don't work now for us. Um, but the patient wants everything instant they want everything instant gratification they want it immediately they want it with ease they want it with convenience but at the same time they do want that human touch when they when they want it not all the time yeah, but like exactly. when they do yeah. want it the yep. one time they want it it better be there it yeah. better be there and it's huge for them right and so how are you able to adapt to produce both of those things all at the same time so that you're getting your patient what they want. So when we bought the practice, they did well. It was a successful practice. It didn't have computers. It didn't have internet. It didn't have oh any... I'm, it's crazy. And this is 2015, yeah, not 2003. Yeah, it's seven years ago. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. No internet. That's Zero. Wild. No yeah. website, no anything. And so we had to adapt. We had to do a lot of that stuff. And so being around a lot of my like-minded you know, thinkers like Tom and the rest of the group... Uh, and having friends like that has been very, very helpful in, in helping us do that. So, so yeah. I have a quick question. Um, we, I guess we got a minute more, and a half, okay. Stacey, so spit it out. Quick, uh, about the industry yeah. as a whole. So dental is not necessarily considered healthcare, mm -hmm. which I 
really agree that it is healthcare because mm-hmm. this is the first part of your health. Um, what do you see? Do you see anything in the future of that changing? Whereas your dental care will be included as a healthcare within healthcare and not just an add-on rider or an additional policy. That is a phenomenal question. From an industry or from an insurance standpoint, I doubt that's going to change. It might, but I doubt it will change just because there's an added cost to it for the insurance company. And by separating the two, they stand to make more money and they're really driven by profits. So I highly doubt that's going to change. I think the consumer is becoming more and more aware of it. Um, Getting played out here. It's like the Oscars, Sorry. Akbo. That's, it. that's okay. But I think on the consumer side, it might change. Aside, it might change. But on the insurance side, no. Great question. So how do people get in touch with the Akbo? What's the best way to connect with you and your practice and your wife? Uh, if you're on Instagram, you can go to uh, Omene Dentistry. If you are online, um, www.omenedentistry.com. Um, if you want to call us, you can you know just Google us, Omene Dentistry, O-M-E-N-E Dentistry, uh, and you'll find us. Shockingly enough, there aren't very many omenes out there. So we'll be the only one in Paoli. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, my friend. Great stuff. We'll make sure everyone gets in touch with you here. If you got a question for the show, you can email us. It's info at tooltimeradio.com. Again, if you want to find us or follow us, it's uh, Tom Tool Sales Group, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We stream live every week. If you want to follow Stacy, it's at the number two Mitchco on Instagram. Sarah is at Ty underscore Ty Time. And you can follow me at Tom Tool Third, at Tom Tool 3RD. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.